Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Remember, Remember That Time I Got Cancer. I am your host, Erica, as always, and welcome to episode 24. Today, I think, might be a short one, but I am going to talk about scarring. Some of it I've already mentioned, at least in passing, and there's a bit that I haven't brought up at all. So let's start by working downward in size, shall we? So that means that we're going to start with my primary scar on my abdomen. Now, I will admit when I knew that the surgery was coming, I was nervous about the scarring. Because let's be honest, it is an aesthetic noticeability I am the kind of person who likes organic shapes and curving lines, and I was a little preoccupied with the fact that there would be a straight line running down my stomach. I I thought of when I've seen similar scars before, and it was just sort of disappointing, particularly being that I was a person who never quite loved their body anyways, and this was just going to be one more thing making my body less than aesthetically pleasing. And so I was right off the bat, kind of nervous, kind of upset, just generally worried about that whole situation. And they told me when we were setting up the surgery, getting everything ready, I was told that they would be using staples to close the incision, which is typical for an incision the size of mine. So I knew that the scar was going to be pretty obvious. Incisions that are closed with staples do not tend to scar as nicely as when incisions are closed with stitches. Well, when I woke up from my surgery, I found that they had closed me with stitches. And I, I want to talk a little bit about it now, and I'll go more in detail on the final episode of this podcast. But they made that decision because I was young, because I was unmarried, and because they thought as a young, unmarried woman, I would want to be as aesthetically pleasing as possible. Now, as a feminist, part of me wanted to think, oh, sure, you value me because of my aesthetics. Well, no, don't, don't get me wrong. It was a desire to feel that way to, not a desire to feel objectified, but I think that women are so frequently objectified that it is easy to, to see something like that as objectification, but it was a really kind thing. And because they took the time to close me with honestly the most delicate stitching work I've ever seen done on human flesh. The scar on my abdomen is actually really minimal. There is about three inches above my belly button, which is sort of pink and sort of noticeable, but the scarring alongside my belly button and that goes down towards my pubis pretty much vanishes. I don't, I cannot really find the end of the scar because they did such a good, clean job stitching it up. So I got really lucky with that. And I'll be honest, it's still sometimes when I catch it in the wrong light or I see it in the shower, I just sort of go, oh, I hate this thing. 
there is something about it that makes me feel like I have personally failed, which doesn't make any sense. But there we are. But most of the time, it's fine. And that's incredible because I really thought it was going to negatively impact me a lot more than it does. So if we are going in size order, the next biggest scar is the scar at my port, right? the site of my port. And as I said before, it resulted in a keloid. The scar is very big. It is very noticeable. Not a keloid, but a hypertrophic scar. They are similar, but not the same. So what is most infuriating about that for me is when I take a look at that area of my chest. Sorry, that probably didn't sound great. When I take a look at that area of my chest, I see the main scar. And then above that, I see the two like single centimeter or maybe even half a centimeter scars, which they would have put a camera or a small tool into as they were installing the port. And then I can see the scar from when the port was put in, because obviously they didn't just cut into scarred tissue when they removed it. They had to cut a new hole or a new slice or whatever. And that had healed perfectly. No sign of damage, no sign of scarring. And what really bugs me about this is I knew when they had put the stitches in, when they took the, when they took the port out and stitched me up, I knew there was something off about the stitching. I don't think I can describe exactly what was wrong with it, but it didn't lay right. So I was just never closed properly, I don't think. Like I was closed so that it healed, but I think I could have been closed in a neater, more tidy fashion. And I think that's the the glaring difference between these two scars between the port and my stomach is that I think when they pulled the port, they were trying to get done quick and they didn't. It's not that they didn't care that they were going to leave a significant scar. I just think they didn't give it a second's thought. And that scar, as I said before, really bothers me. I'm looking forward to when I give myself permission to cover it up. And I just want to make sure that I'm making the exact right choice for tattoo to cover it up. And it's also, I expect going to run me at least $200. It's expensive. So I want to make the right choice for this permanent ink. And I want it to be at a time when I can financially defend spending $200, $300 on a tattoo. So that's the port scar. We've talked about it before. I don't want to bore you going into it again. Oh, there is one thing that I don't think I mentioned. I mentioned when we talked about the hypertrophic scar before that they injected it with steroids. I actually had to have it injected twice because even after the first injection, I was still getting the occasional twinge of pain. And it's hard to to describe the kind of pain that these hypertrophic scars can cause because what I would compare it to is it would feel like there was a sewing needle being pushed into the flesh under the scar. Like it felt deep. So I definitely wanted the pain to not be happening, especially because I couldn't predict when it would happen or the severity. And it was really annoying. So I would go to the dermatologist and they warned me that it stings to have this steroid injected. And I've had steroid injected for an injury since then. And let me tell you, steroids don't sting as they're injected. 
they burn. They burn so bad. And that was my experience with the hypertrophic scar and the steroid treatment. I also mentioned the scars that can be caused by the bleomycin. They are brown lines. Typically, they are brown lines which appear on the body in places where you have scratched. So they really recommend, you know, if you're going in for chemo, they're like, you need to avoid scratching as much as possible. And I did a really good job. And mom is also, I love you, mom, really good at nitpicking me. (laughs) And so she was always reminding me not to scratch. And well, I won't go into the nitpicking. And like I said, mom, I love you. You can't be mad. Uh, I know that she listens to my podcast when she's driving to work. Ha ha. Anyways, moving on. But the the nitpicking kept me from leaving a bunch of scars all over my body. There were a couple small ones, I think, near one of my elbows. And one of my shoulders had a couple of marks. But otherwise, I didn't mark myself up too badly. And after about a year, they entirely faded. There is one more scar that I left chemo with. And this is a weird one. By the time chemo was over, I noticed that coming from the right side of my lip, there were two parallel lines running towards my jaw. They're about an inch and a half long, and they are indented into the skin. They are not a a hyperpigmentation. They are not a lack of pigmentation, they are actually very slightly indented into my skin. It looks a little bit like I slept on a wrinkled pillowcase because they're also exactly parallel. Like there's no, there is no deviation. I have two parallel lines running along my jaw. They're super light. A lot of people tell me they cannot see them until I like aggressively shine light on them and point them out. I think they are more noticeable if I am very tired I don't know what that is, or perhaps it's that I'm dehydrated, but there are times and days that they are more noticeable than others. And when I first noticed these lines, I hated them. And I want to point out, this is not a typical fine line and wrinkle. This is not a frown line or smile line or laugh line, whatever they're called. These are weird lines, like atypical running, not up and down, but almost sideways. So... I went to the dermatologist after chemo for a number of things, for that hypertrophic scar, for basically every mole on my body. I just wanted them to look at all of the ones that I thought were weird, like one that looks like it's got like a little blister on it, some that are, you know, different colors. I've got one that sometimes hurts. I made them look at every anomalous mole on my body and be like, no, I'm not worried about that. No, I'm not worried about that either. And then I had them take a look at these weird lines on my face because I had been convinced that I had just slept wrong one night, but these lines never went away. And I figured, you know what? So long as I'm at the dermatologist, they may as well take a look. It's on my skin. They are skin doctors. Please tell me what are these lines and how do I make them leave? So the dermatologist takes a look at my face and... He stares at my face and he stares at my face some more under different lights, different microscopic lenses, not microscopic lenses, magnifying lenses. There we go. And 
he just looks a little bit perplexed. And he acknowledges, he, he says, yes, these are, these are lines in your face that appear to be, you know, they don't seem to change. They don't seem to, to whatever. And I don't know what I'm looking at. And while we were in the office, there was another person in the practice, a senior doctor. And my doctor, my dermatologist went out to get this senior dermatologist. And, and this guy comes in and and he sort of does the same thing. He looks at me under different lights with different levels of magnification. And he looks just as perplexed, but seems a little, even a little more invested. Like he doesn't know what this is, but he does sort of want to know what this is. And, and they're looking at it and they're discussing, you know, is this something we can even fix? Is this something that's going to go away on its own? We don't even really know what it is. And so we can't answer any of those questions. And so they say, you know what? We want you to come to Grand Rounds. I had never heard of Grand Rounds before. It sounds a little bit like something that would be on a medical drama of sorts. But basically what Grand Rounds is, is they bring everyone, at least from their practice, every med student that's involved in the practice, they bring in PhDs, they bring in extra MDs, they bring in all these people and everybody looks at you. What's cool about Grand Rounds is it's not like a technical appointment, so you don't pay for those because they're sort of doing it to learn so that everyone learns about the weird stuff that doesn't come up so often. And their hope was that by having all of these people look at me, we would A, get an answer, but B, expose everyone to this weird thing that they hadn't seen before. And so I think I waited a little over a month before the next grand rounds came along, or maybe it was just a month or something, but I am in this, this room for, I think four hours as different doctors came through and looked at my face and they came in, in groups of like three or four. And I, I literally just said that. And I went, Oh my God, that's such a small room to have that many people. in, and we weren't even masked. My brain is COVID broken. Anyways, so they're all coming in and the groups are taking a look at me. They're asking me questions. When did they appear? What was going on? You know, and I shared, you know, the only anomalous thing, the only weird thing that was happening when these scars appeared was the chemo. And that's what I attribute these scars to. And ultimately someone went, I've seen this before. And they reached out, I think, to a a professor of sorts or an advisor of sorts. And the person got back to them right away and was like, oh, yeah, this is this is textbook that. But when I say textbook that, I mean, this is a hyper rare condition that has occurred in like a tiny, tiny fraction of people. And because it is not a malignant problem, it doesn't cause any other health risks. It doesn't indicate other health problems. Everyone just sort of goes weird but it's not the sort of thing they're throwing money and research at because it is, it is purely cosmetic. It is an aesthetic problem and not even a bad one. And they gave me the long Latin name and it has a lot of Latin words in it. And to be honest with you, I just simply don't remember what all of those words are or even what any of those words are. But essentially what it boils down to is what I experienced was spontaneous scarring (laughs) These scars just appeared on my face one day. Yes, they are permanent. And I was like, cool. Why? 
And they sort of went, we don't know, but it's not going to hurt you any. They haven't gotten worse since the first time we saw them and they haven't gotten worse in the five years or almost five years now that I've had them. They just sort of are. And like I said, a lot of people don't even notice them. I, on days where I am tired or where I'm ill, I really notice them and I feel very bad about them, but I try to just move on with my day and not be weird about it. Anyways, then we talked about solutions and one of the doctors that was there recently has started working with a micro filler. I actually don't even think it was a doctor. I think it was a student like an advanced student, not like a, you know, not like a baby dermatologist, but like a half grown dermatologist. And, and this, this individual, a male student had been working with a, a micro filler. So a super fine injectable, like silicone filler. I don't know that it was silicone, but an injectable something which can be used to, to fill in your face. It's made for the face anyways. And he was looking at it and he said, listen, we, we wouldn't need you to pay for the actual treatment. We would just need you to pay for the filler itself. It's something like $50 a syringe. We would only need the one. But I don't think these lines, these scars are even deep enough for that to be a realistic solution. I think that if we used that particular filler on your particular face with your particular scars, the only result is going to be that you're going to have lines that bump up instead of sort of cutting into your skin. And I said, you know what? That's also getting my face stuck with that tiny needle a lot of times because they would have to like pull it out and in and out and in and out. And, ugh, no, pass. And the lines are really not that noticeable. I am the only one that notices them. And I know this to be true. And it didn't seem like a good reason to try this treatment that he wasn't even sure he could make work. So we decided no. And since then, I've actually come to accept these scars a lot more. And on more than one Halloween, or even I went to a party once, I actually used uh, like contour and highlight to highlight the lines and make them more obvious. And I kind of just wear them like badass battle scars. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in today. And um, thanks also to Julius H. for this song, Beltane, which I found on Pixabay. Also, please remember, I still want to do an Ask Me Anything episode. So if you have any questions, you can send it to my email. That's ericaleeconklin at gmail.com. Erica, E-R-I-C-K-A, Lee, L-E-E, Conklin, C-O-N-K-L-I-N at gmail.com. Now, before I go, don't forget, support single-payer healthcare, go get your damn vaccines, COVID-19 is real, and thanks to the NHS for supporting my continued existence. See you tomorrow. <laughs>